Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be chatting with Rachel Butler-Green about her inspiring stroke recovery journey. This episode is brought to you by Midwest Functional Neurology Center, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are experienced in treating post-concussion syndrome, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They've greatly helped me and many others. You can find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Hello, I am Amy Zalmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not be familiar with who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project. And I volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council. And I recently released my second book, Embracing the Journey, Moving Forward After Brain Injury, which was just a finalist in the Midwest Book Award. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zalmer. And don't forget to join my Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Rachel Butler-Green, and Rachel is a health entrepreneur based in Los Angeles, California. She's a certified strength coach and conditioning specialist and spent 10 years growing her business and working with leading physical therapists and chiropractors. At the age of 30, during the height of her career, Rachel suffered a rare stroke due to a brain hemorrhage called articular, arterial ventricular malformation, or AVM. She was left paralyzed, unable to walk, see, or fend for herself. Determined to get back to where she was, she spent the next few years reco- of recovery remapping her brain and strengthening her body. Rachel leveraged her philosophy of fit mind, fit body, to create a new framework for her physical training company, while simultaneously learning how to build a startup in technology. She used her therapy dog for regular walking and emotional support, which led to the launch of Good Dog, a gamified dog walking app that rewards dog owners for giving their dogs proper walk times. Rachel's overall mission is to help others create and maintain a well-balanced lifestyle with exercise, and mindful living. So welcome to the podcast, Rachel. I am so happy to have you here today. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this opportunity. Yes, I'm so excited to hear your story. Um, You know, we kind of gave the the real Cliff Notes version there in the intro, but (laughs) I would love to start with, you know, you were 30, And people often think that these things only happen, you know, to 55 plus, right? And you were 30. I have met, I met this little guy at one of my events. He was eight years old and had an AVM. 
So, oh, man. you know, I mean, it really can happen at any age. And I know some of them are more genetic, um, which I don't know if that was your case or not. Um, so, you know, I think it's really important for the general public to know strokes, aneurysms, AVMs, they can really happen to anyone. It's not just, you know, an old person's <laughs> injury. Right. Um, right. So, so Rachel, why don't you kind of share with us, you know, what was happening the day that this happened to you? Like, was it gradual or did it kind of all happen one day? You knew something was wrong. How, how, how did you become aware of what was happening? Right. Well, um, one, to comment on the fact that it can happen to anyone is more than true. I mean, I was like everyone else. I kind of thought it was something that people 55 older would, um, you know, those are the kinds of things you think about at that age. And after having mine at 30, I've actually met more people that have had strokes um, at 30 or even younger, like you said, even in kids, you know, infants, which is really, really sad. But um, for me, uh, it seemed like it all happened just out of nowhere, just in, at one time. But then as I think back over the course of my life, I think that there may have been that there were some signs that I didn't know were signs that would lead to stroke. Um, but that day, it was um, 2016 um, in April, the end of April. Um, I had actually just did a performance. I'm, I'm also a professional dancer, so I had just done a little performance um, a few weeks before, um, and I was teaching a um, group exercise class in Beverly Hills um, when the stroke happened. And it's pretty crazy because that day I, I was teaching and, you know, everything just seemed normal, but I noticed that in the middle of teaching that um, – what happened is actually I ran into a pillar. That's let's start there. That's what happened. I was teaching this class and there's like a pillar um, in the studio space and it's pretty obvious, you know, I, I've been working there. I knew it was there, um, but I ran into it. Like I didn't go around it. I was trying to, but I ran into it and that was really odd. You know, I'm like, why did I just run into this pillar? And, you know, even some of the students in class were saying, Oh, Rachel, are you okay? Are you okay? I was like, Oh yeah, I'm fine. Um, you know, I just thought it was odd. I kind of brushed it off. And of course I went to continue going about my day and teaching the class. I finished teaching the class. Um, but I did notice in the class, um, after I ran into the pillar that, um, I noticed that my body wasn't really responding to my mind, if that makes sense. And I'm sure mm -hmm. some of the show survivors on, on this podcast will can completely relate to me, um, when I say this, but, um, I went to, I'll give you a few examples. I went to adjust the volume of the music in the class. And as I re reached for my phone, um, I felt like someone's arms from behind me were reaching for the phone in front of me. I was holding it, but it didn't feel like they were my arms. Yeah. It almost out of body. Like, yeah. It, it felt like go, go gadget arms. Like my arms had just extended <laughs> from the back of the room and they were projecting from behind me and grabbing this phone. And I'm like, I can see my hands and I know these are my hands, but they don't feel like it. And all this is happening over the course of probably like five seconds, right? All that's running through my mind. Um, and then I, I put it down and I just continue walking around the classroom instructing, you know, and this is a high intensity interval training session. So I'm using a microphone, I'm coaching people 
you know, and as I'm walking around the classroom, I'm, I'm trying to walk around the students in the class or the participants in the class, and I'm walking into them. You know, I'm telling my body, you know, there's a person there, go around them, you know, but my body was running into them. And I just kind of felt like I was walking almost drunk, you know, just like not yeah. really in control of my movements. And I'm thinking, what's going on? What's going on? And at that time, I start feeling like this fuzzy buzzing in my head, right? And I start going through my analysis as a, you know, as a personal trainer, you know, did you eat enough? Did you, did you drink uh-huh. enough? Are you hydrated? <laughs> I'm trying to make sense, diagnose myself, you know what I mean? Um, and through the class, it just, I had to take a moment and sit, and I'm just like, you know, just finish the class. I finished the class and even took photos afterwards with some of the students, you know, and they're asking me if I'm okay. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm good. I'm fine. Thank you. And so I, I leave and I'm thinking, you know, I need to check to make sure I'm okay. I go and look in the bathroom and I have a, a, a cut on my head. So I didn't think I ran into the pillar that hard, but apparently I did enough for me to have a little cut on my head. And um, so I'm thinking, okay, let me go downstairs and, get a banana, something quick that your body can absorb quickly. I'm like, I must be hungry or something like that, right? I go down to Starbucks. I get a banana really quickly. I call my mom, telling her, you know, I feel weird, but, you know, maybe I'm hungry. And she's like, yeah, just eat, you know, whatever you need to do, just eat, just, you know, do it now. So I, where I was teaching, I happened to be less than a mile away from my home, and I drove. And, of course, this is not good, but I did drive home, not knowing what's going on, just thinking I right. need to get home and eat, yeah. right, you know? So I get home, and um, I knew something was really bad once I tried to make a left turn, um, on, like a, um, a left turn onto my street, and I felt like I couldn't judge when it was good, safe to make that turn. And I started to make a turn, and I stopped because there was a car coming. And I was like, what is going on with me? My judgment is off. So I just sat there and just waited until no one was on the street. And so then once no one was there, I I turned left. Um, I don't remember parking my car. And I barely remember going up the stairs. But I do remember trying to put my keys in the door. And I kept missing the, the, the lock. Like I couldn't get my key into the door. And I'm jangling my keys. And then finally my husband opens the door. And the crazy part about that is he actually wasn't supposed to be there. He was on his way to go to a meeting, a business meeting, and something in him told him, you know, just stay. You didn't eat. Just make, make yourself something to eat really quickly and then go. Well, that decision, as I finish the story, is, I think is what saved my life. Um, he answered the door, and I came inside, and the first thing I said was, look at this cut. Look at this cut. I think I have a concussion. Something's going on. You know, and he's assessing me, and, you know, looking at me, my husband actually has a degree in um, psychology, so he's familiar with the brain and the body, you know, and how it operates. And he was just looking at me like something's wrong. You're not, you're you're not making sense, you know. And so he said, "Let me get you something to eat." He'd already made himself a little breakfast, and he gave it to me. And I'm trying to reach for it, and I keep missing the plate. And I'm trying to grab my water, and I'm missing it. I'm just not. I'm reaching to grab it, but I'm not grabbing it. And he's looking at me, and he's asking me, Rachel, are you okay? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. And so, you know, I said, let me go to the bathroom because I felt like I was going to throw up. And I got up to go to the bathroom, and then all of a sudden I started to get blurry vision. And I said, I can't see. 
I can't see. And so he comes up behind me as I'm walking to the bathroom. And then right when I said, you know, I can't see probably maybe the third time, I just remember collapsing. And he happened to, he was right behind me and he caught me. And I just fell into him. And I think that ended up pushing him into the wall and we both fell on the floor. So basically my vision went out and then my legs just went out. And the fact that he was there and caught me is amazing because we have a glass table, you know, and I would have been there by myself. Um, and he asked me, you know, should I call 911? And I said, yes. And, you know, when someone asks you to, if you want to call 911, I think most people think, no, no. Do I really, is it that <laughs> yeah. serious? You know, what's the bill going to be like? You know, we start going through those things. And I just, all that went out the window. I said, yes. So he called 911. Um, and they came, the crazy part about that though, is that they couldn't find, they couldn't find our apartment. So he had to leave me there so that he could run downstairs to open the door so they could find him so so that he, they could find him so they could come in. And at this point, now this, I don't remember, this is just stories that I'm hearing from my husband and we still talk about it to this day. Um, he was holding me and he said, you know, the ambulance wasn't coming and I, I didn't know what was happening and I I thought you were going to die. You know, so he said that he told me his goodbyes, which I can't even imagine. Wow. Told me his goodbyes. And next thing I know, I'm in the ambulance. I just remember the EMT saying, we're going to go to Cedar sinai And Cedar sinai is a hospital here in Los Angeles that is one of the top hospitals for neurology. And Mm -hmm. so I happened to be just a mile away and they decided of the two hospitals that were in the vicinity to send me there, which I think was another smart decision, you know. Um, and next thing I know, I wake up, and I thought it was, I didn't know what was going on. I thought it was maybe three days I had been in the hospital, and my husband tells me, no, um, you know, you had a, you've been, you're actually in ICU, and you've been in ICU for 14 days. Wow. And I said, what happened? And he's I was like, what did I, I was hoping I didn't have an aneurysm. And he said, well, <laughs> that's kind of what happened. You had a stroke and they found an AVM, which is a tanglement of blood vessels. And it's basically a, a brain malformation. And I was actually born with it. And it can be genetic, yes that I was born with it. And they said, it's just one of those things that happens. It doesn't run in my family or anything like that. And um, they actually found a second one behind that one. Wow. So they had immediately had to get me into surgery and, you know, take care of it. And, you know, I had three surgeries. I had an angiogram and um, craniotomy to um, take care of the swelling. And, you know, at that point I'm just in the hospital not just trying to wrap my mind around what's happening and how long this process has been, you know? So that, that's pretty much, I know you asked the first day, but that was pretty much like the first 14 Yeah. Days. So, <laughs> so what did your husband think was happening when you were lying on your kitchen floor? He had no clue. He knew it was something going on in my brain. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's all he knew. He's just like, I know this is something going on in your brain. I just don't know what it is, you know? Um, so he was, you know, in in that moment, you know, you go through fight or flight 
And yes. my husband is a very strong person and he was able to kind of stay calm as much as you can, you know, in that situation and just immediately went into let's take care of this mode, you know, so he didn't freeze or anything, which is very common for people to do. Um, but he just kept me talking and then just called 911. He, he didn't know what was going on. He didn't know what was going on. I find it so interesting that you got home and, and you're thinking like maybe you had a concussion from hitting the pillar, yeah. um, you know, where in reality you're having this massive, you know, Major, stroke yeah. and it's, that's what caused you to run into the pillar. Yeah. Like it's, it's just yeah. so fascinating how you can look back and you're like, Oh, you know, like how you said the arms yes. and feel like they were yours. And have you ever read the book, my stroke of insight? Oh my goodness. Yes. Actually, no, no, no. I haven't read the book. The book. Is that by Jill Jolt? Um, I think so. I can't remember. She's she has a big TEDx or a TED talk too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's the one yep. that I've seen. Um I've seen yeah. that one. Um, but no, I didn't I didn't read I didn't read that book, but I did and she has the hospital. This- she just has this like vivid memory. She remembers every little bit of it leading up to basically when she passed out. Um, but exactly. Like, she's like, what is wrong with me? Like, why yeah. can't I move my arms? Why can't anyone yeah. understand me on the phone? She yes. couldn't even like dial yes. 911. She couldn't comprehend yes. the numbers on the phone. And um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's where I was fortunate in that my someone was there because if no one was there, I would have been in the same situation trying to call someone, but I don't think I would have been able to, because I just pretty much like passed out, you know? So, but it is very, it's looking back on hindsight, you know, with hindsight, it's crazy that he made that decision to stay home, I think is what saved my life because he was able to call 911. And the, the crazier part about that, when you look back, you know, on the events leading up to your stroke, um, I actually was living about 40 miles away from my apartment two months before that. So if it had been two months earlier, I would have been on the freeway driving, you know, in LA traffic, <laughs> trying to right. drive home when this stroke happened, you know, so it's like, wow, it's a blessing that I just happened to move right before the stroke and where I moved was the perfect place to be for an AVM to happen because I got some of the best treatment, you know, Um, and it's, you think back and you're just thinking, wow, I can't believe all these events happened. And now it almost kind of makes sense, you know, because the stroke was going to happen. If you have an AVM, it could happen. And if it does happen, usually happens between the age of 15 and I think 30. And I was 30, you know, I was 30. So yeah, so young. Yeah. And so how, you know, tell us a little bit about your recovery journey. You know, you're what, sure. three years out now, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm three years so, out. Um, yeah, so tell us a little bit about, you know, what did that entail? Um, how long were you in the hospital? Um, I'm, I'm curious, when they, when they finally... Um, discharged you from the hospital did they have a game plan or did they kind of leave you like oh okay good luck goodbye because unfortunately Mm. I hear that a lot oh man and that's that really saddens me because I think um having a game plan and a strong support system is what really helps people can help you get through the recovery process Mm -hmm. um 
I was in the hospital um, probably for about a month and a half. Um, I was at Cedar sinai um, let's see, it was April, I think it was April 30th or 29th. And um, I was there probably for about three weeks, and then they transitioned me to a rehab center um, um, called Rancho Los Amigos, which is another excellent hospital mm-hmm. for stroke rehab. Um, so I happened to be in great locations. Um, but the people at the hospital really petitioned for me to get into um, uh, Rancho, uh, which was great because, you know, I knew they told me there were two options. There was Rancho and then there was like a skilled living facility. And, you know, when you're presented with those type of those options, you, you know, you want the best care that you can get. Um, and so I was able to go to Rancho and I was there for another two to two weeks. Um, I was released from, and I was there for inpatient. So I had to live there for at least two weeks and I was getting rehab, physical therapy, um, what's it called? Um, speech therapy and occupational therapy every day, all three. Um, and the plan was, just unfortunately based on insurance, I had to, I couldn't stay as long as I would have liked to, but we did continue with outpatient. And that was the plan was for me to come back um, as outpatient um, and do another 12 sessions of physical therapy. Um, I pretty much passed the, the speech therapy and the occupational therapy, but it was the, the physical therapy, the paralysis on the left side of my, my leg and my my arm and my my vision on the left side was impaired, so I had to work really hard to strengthen that. But you know, I was as a as a personal trainer and as a professional dancer, the, I was most concerned about when can I get back and dance and when can I perform that type of thing. You know, can I get back to helping other people? And you know, I had to scale back a little bit and say, and it was actually my godfather that told me you need to focus on getting everything in your brain right first because if you fix that, that will help the rest of your body, which in, for, the, for the different therapies, it was the speech therapy. It was the cognitive therapy, you know. So I really honed in on, you know, the, and I'm sure some of the stroke survivors will, may remember this. I had to practice drawing a clock. You know, I couldn't draw a clock, so I was really practicing drawing a clock and the time and, you know, matching um, items in a garden, what items go in a garden, you know, all the little um, the challenges they give you to see how you're organizing information and problem solving. So I really honed in on that. Um, and I also found meditation um, while I was recovering. And that was really helpful because, you know, there was a point where I started thinking, you know, I, I worked really hard not to go down the rabbit hole of why me because I think that can lead to just questions that you can't really answer. And I think when you're in a recovery state, trying to find, you know, how you've done or the the positives in this and where you are now based on where you were when you first had the stroke or just coming out of the stroke, you know, finding those things and honing in on that. And meditation helped me with that. I was able to quiet my mind a little bit and just breathe. And that I really attribute to part of my recovery because, you know, you're going to have days where you do start thinking, I can't believe this happened to me. You know, I'm 30. You know, I'm a health professional. I'm helping other people be healthy so that they don't go through what I'm going through right now. You know, like how does this happen? And 
then once I'm able to quiet my mind and go back to meditation, you know, that, that helps me. Also prayer. I'm a very religious person. And so for people that are, you know, religious, um, prayer really helped me having friends and family pray for me um, and holding on to my faith because it was something that grounded me, that helped me get through that process, you know. And so instead of thinking, why me, I started thinking, damn, I survived a stroke. You know, that's how I yeah. started thinking about it, you know. Like I started with my thought process and thinking, hey, you are a strong woman because you survived a stroke and you're here to tell your story or inspire other people, you know. And I know that there's, you know, there are other people that can't talk, that, you know, can't walk. And, you know, I've worked with stroke survivors, so I understand the the the, the process and how – what it can do to you, you know, and um, I just started thinking that I'm blessed and lucky to be able to be here, and I promised all the people that helped me in the hospital and all my friends and family that I would do everything I could to help other stroke survivors, you know, and I think holding on to that and wanting to connect to other people that can relate to you, I think also helped me in my recovery. I mean, Amy, it was sheer will. It was the will to get strong again. You know, I wanted to be back to quote unquote normal. And I've learned that in this process, it's hard. It's a lot of, that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself to get back to right. normal, you know, mm-hmm. and I think it's the best way. And as we, as most of us probably know now, the best way is, you know, counting and observing your strength through the process based on where you were when the stroke happened, you know, like, where are you now? as opposed to where you were like, maybe you couldn't walk before. Are you walking now? You know, maybe you couldn't get any words out, but are you able to get a few sounds out? You know, can you write now? You know what I mean? Maybe we're not able to walk the way we were, but are we still able to get around, you know, just finding the positives and saying, you know, this, there could be tons of outcomes and what's the positive in my outcome? Who am I inspiring? Who's inspiring me? And that really, that really helped me get through my, get through my recovery. I mean, it's been three years. I still feel like there's still recovery. You know, it's mm-hmm. every day. I think about it every single yeah. day. But yeah, holding and on to a strong support system really, really helps. And I think you just really hit on such an important topic of just, you know, it, it's really easy to get into a negative state of mind. You know, why me? Yes, this sucks. Easy. I'm never going to get better. And you never will get better if you're stuck in that mindset. You really have to shift your mindset. And it can be really hard. It took me about a year um, Mm -hmm. to really flip that switch and be like, oh, all right, you know, maybe this is the best I'll get. So I have to make the most of it. What can I do with what I'm at right now? And that's when I really started improving. Um, It was really profound. And it's such a powerful shift. Exactly. And just to comment on your statement about the mind shift, I think, because, you know, it's a traumatic brain injury. So Mm -hmm. your body (laughs) is responding to your brain and the injury that's there and also the thoughts that are going, I mean, it's trying to rewire itself. So if you're helping it by feeding it positive thoughts and um, putting yourself in places and around people that care about you and that want to help you, do better and want to see you succeed, you know, those are the things that can help with that mind shift, you know, because if you wake up and say, man, you know, like I, I'm never going to get better, you won't, 
you know, or I'm never going to be that person. You know what I mean? It's those statements that help us, that keep us there. And we can change that, you know, your brain, your mind affects the rest of the body. Even with, I have a stroke survivor um, that I, I train with. That's a, she's one of my clients. And we talk a lot about um, the mind, you know, we've incorporated yeah. a lot of heavy breathing in her workouts and throughout her day so she can relax the mind and, you know, trying to focus on what it is that you want. You know, if you're trying to lift your foot and it's not happening, you know, look at it, visualize that foot lifting, do it on the side that's not affected and just keep doing it, just keep doing it and keep doing it. And eventually you'll get a little movement. It may not be huge, but you'll get a little bit, you know, but it's the, you're, you telling yourself, you know, I want to do this or I can, it's so powerful. And I think people might underestimate how powerful it is yes. just, just to shift that train of thought. And I just went to a seminar and they, it was a researcher. She talked very specifically about um, the visualization and how if someone can't move, say their left arm or their left leg, um, but they move their right arm and they envision the left arm moving, um, that group actually saw like I don't know, 50% greater improvement wow. than, than the control wow. group who didn't do visualization. I'm like, that's yes. powerful. It's amazing. <laughs> it's powerful. Yeah. And I think it's inspiring for, for us, you know what I mean, to know that there's still more that you the can do, powerful. you know. Yeah, the mind is, is powerful. Yes. So Rachel, you are back to working. Um, correct. I am. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. Am. You're back to work and you created the good dog dog walking app, which I think is super yes. cool. <laughs> yeah. That, um, that came as a result of my recovery. So part of my recovery um, as most of us know, you know, they want us to walk, you know, get out. One, nature is healing, so it's very important to be outdoors um, in whatever environment you're in, whether it's, you know, the woods or hills or the beach or whichever. Um, being outside is really important. And I have a, um, I have a dog. I, she's a pit bull, actually. She, they get bad rats, but she thinks she's an eight-week-old puppy. She would just sit in your lap and lick you all day if she could. But um, I used her as my, um, you know, I have a lot of motivation to get better, but I, I used the fact that I needed to keep her healthy as well to motivate me to get up and walk every single day. Um, and I would yeah. do things like walk her on my left side, on my affected side with my arm um, to strengthen my vision and all that kind of stuff. And I started thinking, man, how many other people are going through some type of traumatic um, event that one could use the support and unconditional love of an animal like a dog um, or that could use the dog to help them in their own recovery in terms of getting up and walking every day you know so I'm like I'm thinking man you know it, it started there and then I started doing more research and realized that um, you know most dog owners don't walk their dogs enough you know 50% of dog owners you know, aren't walking their dogs regularly, if at all. And as a health entrepreneur, I start thinking, well, you know, obesity rate in the U.S. is going up, which also leads to stroke. You know, obesity in dogs and health is going up. So if we can kind of, if the dog and the human can kind of help each other, how can we make that happen and make it and motivate people to be active? So the, the tricky thing about my app is that it also gets the dog owner active, 
and they don't really know it. You know what I mean? It, it really is about the dog, but it's also about the human being active as well, just in a way that's, that is kind of disguised. You know, that's where, how we gamify it. Um, and so we're thinking, you know, I'm thinking if someone needs to be motivated, well, what will motivate someone? Oh, maybe a little treat, you know, for you and or your dog. So that's what birthed um, Good Dog. Good Dog, it's a dog walking app that allows you to walk your dog. You earn points for proper walk times. Um, and then you can redeem those points for custom rewards um, from our partners, um, exclusive rewards for our partners. So it motivates you to give your dog a proper walk time. You get active, and both the dog and the human are helping each other. You know, and even if you don't have a dog, it's something where you can go to the shelter and walk one of the shelter dogs because dogs oh, are yeah. like therapists with tails. You know what I mean? They're yeah. literally therapists mm-hmm. with tails. So for stroke survivors, you know, it's like you have someone, a, a something there that's going to love you no matter what, and you're a little bit responsible for their life, you know, so it motivates yeah. you <laughs> to take care of them, you know, because they're your responsibility, but you're also taking care of yourself. So um, that's where the app came from and um um it never i don't think it would have happened if i didn't have the stroke um but yeah good dog it's our goal is to keep people healthy keep dogs healthy and um you know we're just gamifying the pet care process and making it easy and fun and getting 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 dog owners and their dogs healthy yeah i love it what a really cool (laughs) concepts I I, you know I know my dog I just have a little Yorkie so she doesn't require quite the walking a pit bull would um but you know she kept me I had to get up in the morning I had to get up I had to take her out I had to feed her you know like I mean I struggled some days with did I feed you already or not (laughs) I tried having systems and then I'd forget you know, well, did I already switch the sign or, you know, like it was ridiculous. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I think sometimes she got overfed and sometimes she didn't get fed, but you know, it all evened <laughs> out. Um, but yeah, you know, she's what kept me going. She was my reason to yeah. have to get up every day and yeah, exactly. dogs and cats, you know, some people do have cats. And cats, and, yes. Yep. Yep. Anything with a tail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. You know, cause then they, they're not judging you. You know, they're just there, and you can – and it's funny because um, rubbing a dog or cat um, will actually drop – will lower your blood pressure as well as the dog's mm-hmm. blood pressure. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how, like, we kind of help each other, you know what I mean? So, you know, it's like maybe this is a way for – I can encourage other dog owners to consider, you know, adopting a dog from your local shelter and – you know, taking care of them and allow them to help take care of you at the same time, you know, on the emotional and physical level. Absolutely. And, and they know, they just know when you need some extra love. So yeah. (laughs) Well, Rachel, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for being here and just sharing your story. And, you know, it's just so important for others to hear, um, the success yeah. of other survivors. And so I really appreciate exactly. you being here. Thank you so much for having me. And I really hope that this can inspire any other stroke survivor. And, you know, if there's anyone that wants to reach out to me, please do. Um, you know, I'm hap- I'm very open about my experience and I, I am an advocate for being a support system for other survivors. So if there's any way that I can help, please, please let me know. And if anyone's interested in checking out Good Dog, 
It's www.gooddog.app, and you can use that to make sure you're getting proper walk time and that your animal's nice and nice and healthy and happy at the same time. Aw, fabulous. Well, thanks again for being here, and thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode with Rachel Butler-Green. And just another big thank you to today's sponsor, Midwest Functional Neurology Center, the concussion doctors you can trust in the Midwest. Find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. And again, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And also don't forget to join Amy's TBI tribe on Facebook. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I will see you next time.